0: So we're going to be going to the book of James again. If you were here last uh, Sunday, um, we spoke from the book of James. And boy, uh, was it a, it was good. It was tough for me, but it was good for all of us at the same time. Amen? Okay, so James chapter 3. Yeah. Amen? All right, let's read it. I have new King James that I'm reading. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, um, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many... We're going to read until verse 12, so bear with me. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to brittle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses... Uh, in horses' mouths, that they may obey us. And we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, meaning like boats. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts uh, great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles? And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. That's pretty tough right there. Um, For every kind of beast and bird or reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no, no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, James is like very blunt, full of deadly poison. With it, listen, this is tough, with it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God, similitude, however you say that, of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Amen? All right, so let's see. Where where do I start? Because it's a lot. Um, But I, I would like to start by saying that our words can be used to bless or to curse. Um, that's what we just read. Another thing that we just read is that the tongue is very powerful. It, it, it He compares it to like like a, a a boat is huge, but it's turned by a rudder, like this thing that goes like this in the back of the boat, and it turns. It's just smaller than the whole boat, but it moves the boat about. Words can be used to prophesy into someone's life, good things, which usually prophecy should be. and um, or they can be used to to stop someone from their destiny. Amen. And our words should be used to empower someone's destiny. Are you with me? All right. Um, so the Bible says, if you if you want to look with me in verse nine, I kind of highlighted that for myself and for us. Uh, verse nine says, With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made, another version would say, in the image of God. So we bless our Father, we thank God, you know, we come to church, and we praise the Lord. Our worship, like, time is an hour, pretty much. What time is it right now? Uh, It's 3.15, so yeah. So, like, 45 minutes for worship. Some people is like, oh, man, you know, like, I understand, it's kind of long, but, um, what can we do the Holy Spirit you know he he likes to be worshiped by us and music is is, a, is an avenue that he uses and it's amazing the The point is that you would take what you learn here and and do it at home oh yesterday where's my wife? She left yesterday we had a, a worship time with my wife you know sometimes you stay home on a Saturday and you're, you watch Netflix all day not this time this time we were like Awesome Christians, and we worshiped from like 6.30 to like 8.30, and we put all kinds of worship music, like all kinds of it, like the stuff we play here, the stuff you guys probably never listen to, maybe some of you. Uh, gospel, you know, every every kind we 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 were uh, we have these speakers we connect the phone to and it sounds like you know surround sound or whatever and uh, it's in our room we have the door closed we have the AC on our neighbors must have been <laughs> so annoyed and then at one point we put this like song and we're dancing in the in our room together and we're just worshiping God. We end up on our knees worshiping it like it was like amazing. Amen. And so I recommend that you uh do that. It's uh it's incredible. You know, we we pass our time doing so many different things and ah oh, man, that's that's so important. So words are powerful. What we say, did you see the background? Powerful words. I know I, I'm not we're not trying to be political or anything, but um he he happens to be someone that that people like the words like they're polarizing. You, you either on one, It's like black and white That's what polarizing means. Like you're either on one side or the other. And that's how powerful words are. But the thing about it, for us in the kingdom, we need to use our words to, to bless and to edify and to encourage. Amen? Each other and ourselves sometimes. Because what, what we say to ourselves and what we believe of ourselves is very important. If you missed Friday, we had an awesome time Friday talking about how awesome God created you to be and how amazing he thinks you are. It's not me, it's, it's him. He thinks you're he thinks you're pretty awesome because he created you. Just your body alone, like your eye, like all the optical nerves that it has, thousands you medical people know, like all this stuff that happens in our bodies That are incredible. That's how amazing God has created you. And that's your body. The one that's going to become ash and dust one day. Needless to say, your spirit. Can you imagine how your spirit functions? So I'm going to give you a little recap of my personal story from last week. Some of you heard it. Some of you heard the podcast. Bless you every time. (laughs) And um, basically the Holy Spirit came to me in a moment of worship. And he showed me something that I believed about myself that was not good from words that I heard that I believed in my heart. And when I believed those words, they somehow stayed in there and I didn't know that I was functioning through that belief system. And so that's gone. Amen. Praise the Lord. God has caused freedom in my life. But what you believe about God and what he says about you is very important. And that's why the words that come out of our heart sometimes, the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Amen. So what comes out of our mouth sometimes is a clue of what we might have in our hearts. Like I was telling you guys on Friday, I've had thoughts before when things aren't going right. You know, when it rains, it pours kind of thing that um, I'll be like, man, I'm really unlucky and I don't even believe in luck. Well, we shouldn't believe in luck, but sometimes you feel that way. And that kind of belief stuff, it's, it's just like we've been influenced by culture and society and the world, and we're not listening to what God is actually saying about us. And so words are powerful. Words are important, and we need to start using them to bless. Amen? So Jesus is walking with the disciples. I don't know if I gave you Matthew 11. Edwin, if you can put it up, Matthew 11, uh, verse 19 and 20. Um, I, I think I gave it to you. Uh, you can pull it up in your Bible if you want, Matthew eleven, nineteen 19 and 20. I'm introing this, but we're, we're, uh, we have, I have to set ground for what I want to talk to you about. So Matthew eleven, nineteen 19 and 20 says, Now in the morning, this is after Jesus had talked to the fig tree. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus is walking and and he he uh, he curses the fig tree because it wasn't giving any fruit But if you read the whole chapter in context, what it's trying to say is that words with faith can do things. Because the verses right after this, he says, if you tell that mountain to move, it will move. Amen? So you see, the words that we say with faith are powerful. Even the ones that we say to ourselves, even the ones we believe about ourselves, the words with faith move mountains or create valleys. So this is what Jesus was trying to teach them. He was trying to teach them that you have power in your words and what you say reflect who you are sometimes. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes you say things out of, you know, anger, emotion, things like that. You say things and you just come out. I don't want you to live. I'm not preaching a message where you live live scared about everything that you say. Like if you say, oh, I'm starting to get sick. Don't say that. Oh, you're going to get sick. I'm not talking about being superstitious. You understand? We're not superstitious. We're believers in Christ and God. We're children of God. Amen? So I don't don't do horoscopes. I don't care if it's Friday the 13th. I don't care if I see a black cat. Actually, I don't like any cat. No offense. But what I'm saying is that we're not superstitious. I don't want you to live a life of like, oh, my God, I got to be careful what I say. No. What I'm saying is what you believe and then what you say. Amen? So this is what Jesus was teaching the disciples. Jesus is the best teacher. Amen? He teaches by walking with you. He shows you, look, if you do this, this is going to happen. And he shows you, and the disciples are like, oh, they're like kids. Oh, wow, that's how you do things. Oh, Awesome. Or whatever, you know? Their reaction was, and that's what he was trying to teach them. If you go to 1 Corinthians 13 with me. This is talking about prophecy, and when we use prophecy, we use our words, usually. Probably about 100% of the time, probably. 1 Corinthians 13, 8. Amen? Look, love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away, but love will never go away. Amen? So when you prophesy, if it's not done with love, then it's kind of like just noise. Amen? When you give words, when you speak to each other, when you speak to your children, and it's not with love and instruction and goodness, then th- there's no point to it. If it's just criticism, if it's just this and that, it doesn't, it doesn't work. It has to be like God intended for for it to be when he speaks to you for example he doesn't speak to you to put you down he speaks to you to lift you up amen that's how God speaks to us and so prophecy will go away word of knowledge will go away tongues will go away but love will never go away so our driving force our 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 intention our desire should be to to communicate love with our words Amen. It should be to communicate blessing with our words. That's what this whole chapter is talking about. It's talking about the love that should be in our words when we prophesy, when we give word of knowledge, when we're just talking. I'm going to get into that as well. Love must be the must be bursting in our words all the time. Our prophecies and our word of knowledge must be filled with love to impart goodness upon other people. Our goal is for a person to know that they are loved by God and by us, amen? Genuinely, we set people free. We don't bind them to false things. That's how we use our words. What you say to others and to yourself is so important. Words are powerful. Imagine this, if you're a leader, which I believe all of you are because you all lead something. You lead your own life at least, yeah, hopefully. Since you are a leader, amen, you can actually hurt someone with what you say. All of you here have influence over someone, at least one person. It might be a little brother, a little sister. It might be a parent. It might be a cousin. You have influence at, at least over one person. And what you say is very important. How you react with your words and respond with your words is very important. It can make someone or break someone. The Bible says like this. Talk to each other in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's what the Bible says. Teaching and advising each other. Talk to each other in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Wow. Can you believe that's how we should be talking to each other? And talking to to the people around us? To be like the good Samaritan who who used oil and wine to heal the wounds of, of, of the person that had been robbed. That's how we use our words. I believe that we as a church are called... Uh, To change lives and build them up. To never use our words to destroy, but to love on people and help people. Even if they annoy us. Even when they're annoying, yes? Even when we don't agree with everything that they do? Because I don't think God agrees with everything that we do. And he still speaks to us with empowering words. He doesn't, he doesn't lie to us, right? He still tells us the truth, but he does it in a way that's wise to empower us to live a better life. Amen? So as James is pleading with us, let's, look, let's go back to James. I know it's like a Bible study, but. Okay, where? James chapter 3. Verse 10 through 12. Check this out. Out of the same mouth. Proceed blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters. The, these things. Ought not to be so. They should not be this way. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter. From the same opening. Can a fig tree my brethren bear olives. Or a grapevine bear figs. Thus, no spring yields both salt and water and fresh. James is like. Like like a dad, like giving us advice, saying, look, you have to change the way you speak because your identity is better than that. Like the way that you talk should match who the Father says you are. When, what we learned on Friday is who the Father says we are. When we learn who the Father says we are, our language should change. Amen? Because now we're talking from the, from the point of identity. We're no longer talking from the fallen nature, from the old man. We're talking from the new creation who we are, righteous, forgiven, and loved by God. We're talking from that powerful being that God has created us to be because we're in him and he is in us. We're talking from a place of victory. We're no longer speaking from a place of defeat. Amen? So that's what James is saying. How can you, being a freshwater spring bring out bitter water it can't be that way because that's not who you are see who you are is a fresh spring so your words when they come out should be fresh should be refreshing to who's listening to you amen even when you're angry right isn't that the hardest when you're angry and you're just like i want to say certain things right now but i'm christian and I'm a child of God. And he still loves you, even though I kind of do. No, no, we love them, but I kind of like you. It's tough sometimes. It's tough sometimes, but we got we to gotta do what, what, what Father James is saying there. Dad James is like, hey, you're fresh water. You're, you're a spring of life. Speak life into others. Sometimes the easiest things, though, is to bless others and speak destiny to others. But when it comes to ourselves, we don't believe the same things. Amen? Like, you are really good, we all are, at, like, if someone's down, man, you got this, you know, blah, blah, blah. But when you go through it, it's kind of tough. Why, well, I'm not going to ask you, but rhetorically, why do you think that is? It's because we all need each other. We all need community. We desire to be connected. You can't do this alone. You need someone in your life that when you're down, they help you. And when they're down, you help them. I was telling you on Friday, for some of you that weren't here, that there was this doctor, a sociology doctor. For six years, she researched what was the number one thing that every human being had in common. And she went all around the world looking for this one thing that every human being had in common. And that one thing was connection, that every human being had a desire to feel connected. And now when you look at the world and you see gangs and you see terrorist groups and political groups and this group and that group, it's not because people are really fired up because of the passion and the things, they, the ideals and the philosophies. It's because they, they, they're passionate about belonging, about connecting. And the way that we connect, she found out, is by being vulnerable with each other. By saying, man, I'm going through this. If you don't have someone that you can do that with, you got to find someone, someone that you can be vulnerable with and say, this is exactly what I'm going through so that you can feel connected and that person can help you and bless you with powerful words. Amen. This doctor for six years, she researched this and found that it was connection and it shocked her so much that she became Christian. She had a spiritual awakening. She went to a church and figured out, oh, that's why. And now she's a believer in Christ. Amen? So I know it was the Holy Spirit speaking to her. So the other day, um, I met Barnabas. You guys know who Barnabas is in the Bible? Amen? I met him the other day. (laughs) I met a Barnabas the other day. I was shocked. Barnabas means encouragement, right? It means like son of encouragement. I met Barnabas in my life. Another Barnabas in my life. I met this this young man, we went to the Bethel conference and I sat next to this guy named Daniel Kim from he's from he's he's in Chicago but he's from way of Korea. Okay? So he's a Korean dude. So I sit next to him and I'm like, "Hey, how are you? You know, we're going to be sitting next to each other for the next million hours." So how are you? And uh, he's like, "Yeah, hey, how's it going? I'm like, hey, I don't know why I said this, but I was like, hey, are you in ministry too? He's like, yeah, how'd you know? Are you? Yeah. Oh, my God. Blah, blah, blah. He, I was like, well, well what do you do? And he's like, I'm an assistant pastor at my church in, in Chicago. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. And he asked me, and I told him. And I was like, how old are you? he's like, I'm 36. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, me too. We're so young and handsome. <laughs> Amen. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Cynthia. And uh, <laughs> and, and I, we were talking and then uh, uh, we had a moment before like the whole thing ended to just talk about his like desire. And what you're about to hear next is is shocking to me. I hope maybe it won't be to you. But he said, I have been called to be an assistant pastor. It's Like, I don't want to be a, a, a lead pastor I don't care for it. I've been called to assist lead pastors. And I was like, really? Are you sure? Because everyone else wants the top spot, right? Wants the, the pastor spot. But he's like, no, no, no. I'm called to assist pastors. I love encouraging. I'm, I fight for my pastor. I, I make sure that, oh, by the way, that she is Okay and that she has everything and that she's served and that she feels good and I'm I I I carry the torch for empowering my pastor and I was like whoa Barnabas and then he called me we talked on I think Monday or Tuesday and we're on the wait what was it no it was Thursday it was date night I remember because Cynthia was upstairs waiting for me and I'm in the car with Daniel on the phone because it was so good and he kept talking and he talks a lot and hence being a pastor. And so he's talking to me and he's like, let's pray, you know, after we talked. Let's pray, let's, you know, I told him our story about church and he's like, let's pray. I want to pray for you, all right? So he begins to pray and then he begins to prophesy over my life and he begins to like, like call things out that are true in my life, personal stuff. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this guy, we need to, I need to, you know, bring him the grace and love one of these days. And he's, like, just telling me, you know, just, like, like, speaking life into me. You understand? Like, he was prophesying over my life, and he kept saying, you know, I feel from God that this and this and that is going on. And I feel from God that this, everything that I had been feeling, he was saying, and I was like, wow! Wow! what a turnaround that's who God is calling us to be Barnabas to each other encouragement to each other are you with me what, what does that do when someone is encouraging and it speaks life to you it, it it fully develops your identity in God you feel more confident in your identity with him not. You in the flesh, you, who you really are. Amen? It gives you more confidence in the Father's identity. How does the Father speak to us? He releases identity to us. He speaks truth about who we are. Just as the Holy Spirit showed me what he needed to take out of my heart, the Father came to me before that to give me a deeper sense of identity before that happened. And so the Father prepares you for surgery and the Holy Spirit comes and takes out what doesn't belong in your identity. But remember... When, when Jesus was baptized and he came out of the water, the Father spoke identity into Jesus, and then Jesus went through, uh, through the wilderness. Without that, I am well pleased with you. This is my son. I am well pleased with you. It would have been a lot more difficult for Jesus to go to the wilderness and be tempted. You understand that? You need the identity so that you can go through life and overcome the situations that you're going through. The reason that sometimes you doubt and you worry and you feel disconnected from people and you feel disconnected from God is because there's a piece in your life of identity that's missing and the father needs to speak identity I'm not talking about the general stuff like you're the righteousness that's important too you're forgiven you're a child of God the general stuff is good but you need identity that's specific to your life Like God needs to tell you that you're good at what you do and he's called you to do it because he loves you and you're his child. That's what you need in identity. It's not just about, you know, you're saved and you're forgiven. That's important too. But it's important that he would look at you and say, son, daughter, I am well pleased with you. Do you think that the father was telling Jesus, I am well pleased with you only because you're my son and you carry the spirit in you already and you're different than the others? No, the father was pleased with the entire being of Jesus, not just what was inside of him, but the body, the soul and the spirit. Why do you think that this world is suffering from an identity crisis? Why do you think that it's just coming up and everyone's confused and there's such confusion in this world about who am I? Because of the Father, identity is missing. And so when the father's, and. And we're the Christian ones and we need that. Imagine the world. We need God to speak directly into our hearts and say, I am well pleased with you because of this. And once you receive identity, the spirit is going to come and take away anything that doesn't belong to what the father has said about you. When the Holy Spirit convicts us of righteousness, it is saying The Father has declared you righteous. This doesn't match what the Father has said about you. We need to take this out. This doesn't belong to who God says you are. So the Holy Spirit, gentle, tender, loving, takes this out because it doesn't match who the Father says you are. So when he's telling Jesus, I am well pleased with you, He's saying, I'm pleased with your personality because I made you that way. Because Jesus was funny. He was also tough. He was also tough. He stood his ground, but he was also funny. And what God is saying, I'm well pleased with your character because I made you that way. I'm well pleased with your personality. Some of you don't even like yourselves. I'm not talking about the things that you need to change. I'm not talking about the things that are out of character. I'm talking about who you truly are. God loves you. He created you this way. You can't walk around hating yourself. That's not good. The kingdom is not that. That's fake. That's false. That Christians would walk around saying, no, we got to. That's not humble. That's dumb. I am pleased with who you are, my son, my daughter. I am pleased with how I created you. Your personality, your character. I am, I am, I am even pleased with how I created your body. See, when identity hits you, you're going to want to take care of your emotions your character, your personality, and your temple. Every part of you will want to please God about what he says about you. When identity hits you, it hits you in the deepest core in your spirit, and it starts to bubble up, come up, come up, come up, to where even you want to take care of your body. You know it's not good for you. God knows he speaks to you. Take care of your your spirit, meaning have a relationship with God. That's how you take care of your spirit. You feed the spirit. How do you take care of the soul? You let the Holy Spirit come and transform your mind, be renewed by the transformation of your mind, and eventually everything comes along. Now, I know, I know Paul told Timothy... Look, fitness is only helpful a little bit. I know. But I'm not talking about you being in the gym 24 hours of day. I'm talking about just simply taking care of what God has given you. It's quiet. First, the Son, through grace, gives access to a marvelous kingdom. Then the Father gives identity. And then the Holy Spirit empowers you to walk in that full identity. See, the reason the the Holy Spirit is so important in our lives and we need to have fellowship and relationship with him is because he tells us who we are from what the Father has said. You'll see what I mean in a few minutes when you hear my testimony. I am who God says I am. My identity is in Christ Jesus. He is well pleased with who I am. In him... He loves me, therefore I love me and love others. I am who God says I am. My identity is in Christ Jesus. He is well pleased with who I am in him. He loves me, therefore I love me and love others. Again, before the Holy Spirit came to show me what he needed to remove from my life, the Father was already marking me with identity. I said this already, but he prepared me for surgery. He said, this, this is who you are. This is who you are. This is why you're so passionate about certain things. And this is why you hate certain things. <laughs> okay, dislike then if you like that better. <sighs> so I was in worship and I had to take my phone out because the Holy Spirit, I had one of those moments. You know, when God gave me the name Grace and Love, he didn't give it to me for a church. At least I didn't know that. He gave it to me like six months or eight months before I had been given the position of of a youth pastor. And most of you know the story. As I was driving and and the Lord began, well, actually, Cynthia was driving, and I was in the passenger seat. The Lord spoke to me very clearly, and he said, you've fallen off grace. I didn't know what that meant at that time. And he said, I want you to preach my grace and love no matter what the opposition. I said, okay. But that moment was a moment where where God had, uh, had visited me in such a strong way that I could almost hear his voice audibly. I didn't, but almost. I felt like he was so loud in me that I almost heard him. Another time, I was driving on the freeway, and the Lord said, I've given you three schools, grace, love. And I'm adding power. And I didn't know that it was the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I didn't know what that meant, but he just told me that. And you will teach people to lead them to know that as he is, so are we. And we saw that on Friday. And I'm just now kind of getting it, to be honest with you. <clears throat> so as, as I'm worshiping, the Holy Spirit, he, t- he tells me one thing first. And then he just starts to go. See, when you are, when you're prepared to receive, like you should all be ready today to receive something special from God, directly specific for you in regards to your identity. And when he begins to speak to you about identity, he actually gets excited, especially when you listen. And because you're listening, he wants to give you more than what you think. I used to write pages of notes when I first discovered that God actually loved me and that I didn't have to like, work for love and work for acceptance, I used to sit in my room and write pages of notes of the things that God would tell me. And, and, and this was one of these times. I didn't get pages, but I got some good stuff. Here it goes. This is the first thing that he said. He said, you have been called to break religiousness off of people. That's why sometimes some things that I say are kind of shocking to some. But This is the Father. This is for me. But it'll, it'll transfer into the DNA of this church. It already has, but let me keep going. You have been called to break religiousness off of people. That's why you're so passionate about my gospel, the gospel of grace. You, this is what he told me. You lived in legalism so long, so you dislike it. And I thought, well, okay, I, I agree. I'm with you so far, Lord. I agree. The, what he said next is what creates the connection between son and father and identity. You ready? He said, first, let me go back. You lived in legalism so long, so you dislike it. But so do I. And when he said that to me, it impacted me so much. I didn't understand why I was so passionate about it. I just thought it was my experience. It's not just my experience. It's God's passion for us to be free from religiousness and legalism and have an actual relationship with God. It's not my message. It's my Father's message. You're special in that way. You can create an environment of safety. You're not afraid of sin. So don't get tired of breaking off the chains of legalism. This is strong, but I believe he said this to me. I hate legalism for what it does to my people. And that's why you hate it so much also. freedom. There is freedom in identity. See, you're searching. I know you're searching, searching, searching. I'm like you, searching, searching, going to church, reading, going to conference, this co- searching, searching. God, if you get alone with him, he will speak to you specifically. Some of you are going to be professionals. You have your careers. You're going to be psychologists, nurses, therapy stuff. I don't remember what it's called. Um, all kinds of stuff, right? But there's passions inside of you. You think it's the out what you see on the outside, right? I went to school for this, therefore I'm going to be in this place working as in my career. And so that's what you see with your vision. But inside you burns this desire, this passion. And it's deeper than just your career and just what you went to school for. It is a deep desire that's burning within you and the father wants to tell you exactly what it is so that when you discover that it won't matter where you are you will be in a different country in Nicaragua somewhere but your burning passion and your identity will be so known to you that it's not going to matter And that's what God wants for us. That's this next season for this church. That we would all discover, like, to the specific place that we are called for. Not everyone needs to be on stage. Not everyone needs to be up here. But what has God called you, and if he has for this, I'm not putting that down, but what is God specifically burning inside of you? See, the Father wants to identify you. So then, so then what happens is the Father identifies you, my son, in whom I am well pleased, meaning in everything. He called Jesus. He, Jesus knew by the age of 12 who he was. He knew exactly who he was. Can you imagine being 12 and, and knowing I can heal people, I created all y'all, and I'm twelve. He was perfect in every season. I understand that. But he knew who he was to a certain degree. And believe it or not, he had good parents. Because his parents allowed to a certain degree. I know there was times where they didn't get it. But to a certain degree, they allowed him to discover who he was in the Father. See, that's why this whole message is so important. I need you to be with me on this mission and on this vision. You've entered into the kingdom through grace. And you need to find out your identity through the Father. And then when you go for your walk, wherever you go, if for some reason you put something on that the Father said, that doesn't belong to you, like that's not part of your identity, and you put it on, and the Holy Spirit comes and says, hey, that is not good enough for you. You need a Rolex. You need a Rolex. And so you say, You're right, Lord. This isn't for me. And then he supplies you with with what you need. Identity. And in identity, I I firmly believe this. Grace takes away sin. The Bible says Jesus came with grace and truth. Truth brings identity. The truth of what God believes you. And this, I believe, brings freedom. And when you're in full freedom... Like full freedom, like you're going to come to church and like you're going to dance around this place like a crazy person because you know, you know who you are. Fully, fully, fully know who you are. And on Tuesday when the car breaks down, you're still going to celebrate. And on next month when the boss says there's no more work and you're only going to work two hours a week, you're still (laughs) going to celebrate. And you're going to believe, man, I know God has something better for me because I know who I am. I believe, I believe freedom is a life full of impossibilities, driven by the Holy Spirit, by way of grace, bursting with love to be who God says that I am. Amen. All right, let's get on our feet. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Grace and Love podcast. We hope you were blessed by this message. If you have a prayer request, we would love to hear from you. Please feel free to contact us. And if you're in the LA area, we would love to meet you. We have services Sundays at 2 p.m. and Fridays at 8 p.m. We are located at 1900 Medford Street, Montebello, California, 90640. Thanks again, and God bless you. you.